there's a country beyond that which is known to humankind. A stray country. A country that exists west of October, whose borders are somewhere between midnight train whistles and the distant howl of a dog. A country that lies somewhere in the stitched and jittering static between radio stations. A country that drifts to America like a traveling salesman, but every now and then stops to nest in a small town, a small church, a single street, and maybe, just maybe, some kind of delayed radio broadcast you've stuffed in your ears. Chapter 5 The Gas-Powered Carnival of Middle America Billy stood in the field, leaves falling around him like Autumn was celebrating the fact that he was by himself. Autumn, full of black humor and in mockery of wedding name Rice, now pelted a kid with cigarette leaves for being all alone. The school rose up on a hill of sunset, a hill what had no elevation gain as far as any engineer or architect is concerned, but can be seen, weighted, and measured by every eye on the planet. It looked high up and far flung by the trick of funeration light, by the jangle of stories told by the dying sun. The school. The morgue lighting from the west had sketched it long, longer than state budgets would ever allow, thrown coattail shadows further than a kid should see cast from a school. Because here, now, with the day's casket closing shut over the burnt hills, the halls of learning were dressing in a kind of drag a kid isn't ready to see. Not even Jack. Inside, Billy could see the dressed-up, dragged-up, dredged-up cabaret show of shadows getting longer by the minute from the country-sinking sun. He turned an ear to the wind, wanted to hear the sob story of a vacuum, the maudlin plea of a floor polisher, the hard-luck story of a dumpster taking in all the orphan shit a bunch of candy wrapper kids could throw at it. Billy wanted to hear anything that told him the janitor was there, here, anywhere. Because if Billy knew where the janitor was, he could make certain he didn't run into him. But Billy didn't hear a thing. The school was making all the noise Grandpa made at his own funeral which were zero, zilch, bubkis, nada, nilch, filch, squilch, and squelch. Yes, the school was something like an abandoned amusement park deep in the Minnesota wood, shit kicked out of it by jerkwater winters. See, an amusement park isn't so bad when there's funnel cake smells, carnival bands, animal wagons, clowns, freaks, rides to spotlight the bottom of your stomach, lights to show off the back of your eyes, yeah. An amusement park isn't so bad when every sense, sight, smell, taste, touch, ear swill is distracted away by shiny baubles. Isn't so bad when it's some kind of dollhouse. But Billy stood in lonely country. The school, long, 
brainwashed, beat to hell by baseballs, softballs, soccer balls, and the grit and spittle of fifty years of goddamn drizzle. Fifty years of dehydrated to dagger point leaves, shucking brick, rubbing raw, sanding the building sour under the jack-o'-lantern season. Billy realized he was looking at an abandoned amusement park. There was only one difference. School had never been fun to begin with. And if an amusement park full of church steeple yells, funnel cake fills, and bottle tipping thrills could be transformed by the idiot whistle of playground silence to a place fit for the filming of every slaughterhouse horror film, then what of a school? God, my God, what of a junior high school? A building would never smiled. Never laughed, never told a kid it liked him or her. Not even a makeshift and shoddy lie leaked from a neon electric sign. A building that loved listening to the lullaby of kids picking on kids. The psalm tune of pint-sized jaws chewing pissant pubescent peers. Dapped its toe to the totalitarianism of tough guys, hummed along to the harvest of humiliation, filled teeth with the hay of whore-making, a building freighted with fistfuls of laughter, howls, and gutter trash, words sown kid-careful to sink like a gunshot. Was there any place by day more miserable than a junior high? Billy could think of none. So if you took that amusement park, which has fun in the goddamn name, and cane the sun off stage and flicked shadows on and spotlight the park with the half moon, the full moon, the new moon, any mixtape of moon, and it all becomes a stage for a serial killer and slaughterhouse born. Whatever junior high, what was already a horror film in its own right, Billy swallowed. He hadn't taken his eyes off the building, but that didn't stop the building. No, it was changing right in front of him, dressing in drag for the scarecrow season. Science book. Science book. Billy whispered to himself. He walked the path, approached the door like he always had Philip Ramos's house. The old undertaker who rarely spoke. Played saw at church. Yes, the saw. Making the devil's dismembering tool sing songs for Jesus. Loved Halloween, or so said all the decorations and preparations. Every year he set up to scare any kid what dared knock the door, ring the bell, so that by age eight a kid just expected it. But the candy bars were full size. And to a kid worth the whore. But by ten, eleven, especially twelve, a kid wasn't a kid no more. But a kid plus some, and so Billy had said to himself, Not this year. This year he won't get me. I've been coming to this house now ten years now. Eleven years now. Twelve years now. Yes, there are only so many places to hide on that porch of his. This year he won't get me. I've seen all the tricks. This year I'll get the candy without paying the price of fright. This year, I'll get the candy for free. But that never worked. Philip Ramash 
always got you. Like he was commenting on his own profession. Something about the Undertaker always winning. Billy walking up to the front doors of the school, but very much like he was walking the Halloween sidewalk to Philip Ramasha's house. Except science homework was a far cry from candy. He pulled the door. The warm air which inhabits all government buildings hit Billy in the face. Like it's bottled up in a plant somewhere and delivered to every school, every county building, every library, and scuba-like tanks to be plugged into the ventilation system. So that everyone entering a government building knows who owns it. Is wafted in the face by warmth simmered to the side of being too warm. Like the building is trying to fool people into believing it's safe. Like a stranger trying to lure a playground kid far enough away to help them vanish forever. It smelled wrong from the warmth. Like it was an oven warming old books. Not burning them in Nazi fashion, no. Just simmering the books. Browning the books. Like milk left on the stove too long. And warm air like that. Whistles on the crack of open door, like a coven of microscopic banshees fleeing the breach. An old and undeveloped security system of sorts. One that lets anyone in the building know a balance is off. A door has been opened. Billy took the air in the face. It blew his hair out of his eyes. He looked down the hall west. Down the hall south. Empty. Empty. The church mouse howled of jailbroke air, soft-talked his ear. He stepped into the building. Let the door shut. Turned an ear out west. Cast a line of ear south. No vacuum. No floor buffer. He strained his ear. No trash bag rustle, no cleaning supply cart wheel. He strained his ear more. No janitorial whistle, no jingling of key ring. He strained his ear more. No footsteps, no tinny din of music pre-shrunk to pint-sized earphones. He strained his ears still more. No clearing of throats, no lungs rocking from the thrum of mop thrust. Billy strained his ears even Still more. No deep-end ear listening to his own listening ear. No deep school eyes blinking halls away towards the door of unleashed air. Why did his locker have to be in the B building? There was no closer door. He'd have to walk the school deep. He looked again. He started the long walk holding the zippers on his backpack so they couldn't grind out their metal music of miniature proportions. He had never walked the halls empty. No. Only walked the halls with the chorus of candied-up kids. Kids whining back on their hinges, boys high on the aphrodisiac of puberty, snorting up hallfuls of girls. He'd only walked the hall with girls who knew how to smell loud and stay quiet, 
Girls that knew how to corner the market and monopolize his brain, his eyes, his thoughts. Yes, he'd walked the halls before, many times, but never quite like tonight. Never had he walked the halls without the rock concert of children. Boys testing the range of their voice, lip-slinging new words, old words, bad words across the hall, slinging them down hall, at boys, at girls, at teachers' backs, trying them low, testing volume and scale and keys, throwing words at this girl's legs, that girl's bra, this kid's glasses, that kid's haircut, this teacher's posture, that teacher's religion. Girls swatting them back with curl of tongue, a flip of lip. Teachers having heard too many, letting them fall, crushing underfoot a foreign thunder of its own noise. Yes, Billy had never been able to hear his own noise here. His sneakers suddenly sounded loud. His breathing felt amplified. His clothes extra swishy. He felt the whole school felt him move through, like he were a piece of barbed wire swallowed and running the digestion tract. And the lights. Billy was souped in the cold light. Cold lights, always cold, because cold is cheap. Warm costs money, or energy at least, which is like money. But cold, cold is free. Cold is the currency of the universe, isn't it? Space is cold. And what was the universe but a lot of space? And so, because there never was enough money, government buildings ran cold lights for the cost, because they were cheap. But there was something else. Bailey had never seen the halls lean so heavy on the lights. Sure, there'd been those days where the clouds were as thick as pancake batter, gray as grandma's hair, and the clouds shut out the light, making day a piss-poor stand-in for night. Those days, the hallways leaned into the lights, sure, but it wasn't quite the same. No, those days were like some kind of shit-show understudy. Someone to stand on stage, sure. Someone to fill the role, yeah. But just a pretender to the part. It wasn't like that now, with the sun gone to crack light on China. Billy had never seen the halls by night. Never by November night. A dark vintage, if ever there was one. And then he realized the hallways weren't leaning on the lights like a crutch. They were using them like a wheelchair. It made him hurry. And his own noise made him slow. So he made his way to his locker in a torturous slog of slow hustle. At his locker, Billy looked around. The school empty as Monday church up the hall. The school empty as dead lady lungs down the hall. Billy twisted the dial. Thirty-six, come on, eight. He looked up the hall. 
down the hall. Shit. He'd fudged it up. 36, hurry, eight. He looked up the hall. Down the hall. 12. He put his hand to the locker slide. Looked up the gun barrel hall. Used to crackling off cackling kids. Looked down the gun barrel hall, quiet as a bulletless revolver. It was ghost town country. Billy slid the lock up, begging the metal to be quiet. But metal seldom is, and ransacked the quiet, if only a little. Up the hall went a pair of eyes. Down the hall went a pair of eyes. All clear. He pulled the locker door open. Had to dig past pre-algebra, past English, past state history. Had to dig for science. Come on, where is it? I know it's here. Where? He dug and dug, and in locker depth found. School's closed, a voice said. is scribbled and scratched out by me, Nicky Ink. The shallow tide of sound is done up by my brother. Come back to the country, bring a friend, shout about it from the steeples, shotgun your voice to the far reaches of your phone. Ties and offerings can be proffered on my Patreon. Find directions at straycountry.com See you in the country.